0: Hi, this is Jeff Cobb, co-host of the Leading Learning Podcast. During the month of December, while we're planning for the new year, we thought it'd be a great time to reach back into the archives and replay some of the early episodes of the podcast. We hope this may tempt newer listeners to go back and explore those earlier episodes. And it's also a good opportunity for repetition, review, and reflection, three pillars of learning for longtime listeners. In this episode, we go all the way back to episode six, in which Salisa and I highlight three low-cost, high-impact investment areas for your learning business, hopefully good food for thought for the coming year. Before we hit play, we'd like to thank your membership for being the sponsor of this Encore episode. You can find out more about your membership and its learning offerings at yourmembership.com. Now, enjoy this Encore episode and stay tuned for new episodes of the Leading Learning Podcast coming soon.
1: If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele.
0: And I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast.
1: So, this is episode six of the Leading Learning Podcast, and we wanted to address the question of how it's been going. So, Jeff... How's it been going?
0: Well, you know, I think we we definitely need to review and reflect. That's what uh, learning is all about. And, you know, I think it's been going pretty darn good. We've had some really interesting interviews so far. We set out as one of the things that, that we definitely wanted to do with the podcast was talk to CEOs, executive director, president uh, type people from some trade and professional associations and get their perspective on learning and the value it it plays with their organizations because we feel like we just haven't seen enough uh, or heard enough conversation at the top of organizations about learning, about education, and how that really factors into where associations are going and and the role that they're playing. So we've gotten some great input from Rick Grimm at NIGP, uh, from Cheryl Ronk at MS and I know we've got some other ones uh, coming up. So I think, you know, in terms of talking to, to leaders here on the Leading Learning Podcast, that's, that's been excellent so far.
1: Yeah, and we've also been talking to um, some folks who are coming to the Leading Learning Symposium. Uh, we've been talking to some of the, the faculty, um, and uh, we've also been talking to Rohit Bargava, who's going to be our featured uh, outside speaker, kind of bringing that perspective that's not necessarily of the association world, but incredibly uh, applicable and useful to the association world.
0: So talking data, talking innovations, talking trends, the, the type of things that, you know, you got to be digging into if you are trying to lead learning in, in your particular part of the world. And and we've got more coming. Um, I mean, we, have, we haven't published Rohit yet. We're going to get him up soon. Um, we've got Andy Steggles, uh who's at Higher Logic and, you know, came from the association world and the, and the world of online community and is, and is now, you know, out there with a, a platform that does that, but just knows so so much about, you know, social learning and how you uh, make learning happen in those sort of informal settings.
1: We're then- also going to have Lisa Bing, who's uh, on the faculty, so she'll be joining the the podcast we already have with West Strokle and Seth Kahn, the, the other faculty members. So, you know, it's really, as Jeff was saying, you know, we have... These people are experts, and they're going to be bringing their expertise to the symposium. They're going to be sharing it in the podcast, uh, and, and it's it's really useful. And I know we have uh, a, an interview with a, an attendee coming up as well.
0: That's right, Josh Goldman, who's going to be at the symposium, and is one of those people who I always look to, you know, as a, as a pace setter uh, out there in the world of uh, learning and, and professional development. He is, is the uh, actually the vice president of learning at the Ohio CPAs, and is kind of you know making waves there. So great to talk with Josh. Maybe we should pause, though, because this time around, we're we're not actually doing an interview. Um, And and that's fine, because that's part of our master plan.
1: That's right. We do have a master plan. And so the idea is to intersperse uh, our interviews with uh, the occasional episode, roughly every uh, fourth or fifth episode, where it will just be me talking to you, Jeff.
0: That's right. And hopefully we've heard enough interesting things in the meantime or done enough interesting things in the meantime to be interesting ourselves after we've talked to so many interesting people. But uh, we think it's good every once in a while for us to come together, put our heads together, have a conversation, and, and hopefully offer up something of value to the listening audience. So what what are we going to offer of value today?
1: Well, you know, we've been thinking about, um, uh, we were writing an article and thinking about the idea of, okay, you know, what can you be doing to really grow your education business? And we've uh, come up with three areas where we think, you know, a little investment can go a really long way.
0: And definitely, definitely not the, the only three areas when it comes to growing an education business. But these are ones that we just, we keep coming back to again and again. And, and like you said, you know, they don't necessarily cost... Cost money. I mean, you can, you can certainly invest money in them, but you can get a lot of mileage uh, with some relatively small changes in all of these areas. So, why don't we just maybe we should just dive right into those and then start talking about those uh, those investment areas for for
1: listeners? So, so the three investment areas we're going to talk about um, are, are these. The first one is to demonstrate value. The second one is social proof, and then the third one is helping learners to help themselves. So, let's. Unpack each of those a little bit more and, and what they mean. So, Jeff, you want to take demonstration of value and then and, and explain what we mean by that and how um, folks can can increase how they're presenting their value.
0: I will I will gladly tackle that one. That's been dear to our hearts for quite a while now. We have a concept actually called the the value ramp that uh, really kind of lays this out, and it's the idea that you know things are so much more competitive out there right now, and, and not just with you know actual competitors, other people who are or other organizations that might be selling uh, educational content or giving it away for free. Um, you know, Certainly those competitors are out there, but just the general competition for people's attention in, in general. I mean, they've got plenty of alternatives when it comes to, to knowledge and learning, but they also just have so much else going on in their lives. And so if you expect to claim a chunk of time from them, a chunk of their attention for them to participate in whatever you're offering educationally you better make it real clear up front that you have something of value to offer, and when we talk about the, the value ramp, we talk about uh, kind of a, a lower uh, portion of the value ramp where you are providing free content or very low cost content that's very practically oriented gives you know very useful helpful information, and starts to build some momentum for people to then go up the ramp to the things that you're actually charging for and providing much higher value for and those those items that you might use to build value. I mean, they include things that a lot of organizations already have in spades. I mean, they might be white papers, they might be articles, they might be blog posts, they might be videos that are captured at conferences. Uh, all of that content that uh, organizations you know, often have locked up um, just using it in a much more conscious and intentional way to get it out there in front of your prospective audience so that you can attract them into your educational uh, uh, opportunities.
1: Well, and you just use that phrase locked up, and I think that's uh, one point we want to make sure that, that folks get is that you have to make sure that the the evidence of the value is easily accessible, and that means... It can't be behind the member login. You need to make sure that you're demonstrating value before anybody has to supply credentials, or certainly before they have to sign up uh, and, and join your organization.
0: Yeah, that, that's absolutely key. I mean, a lot of times, you know, even if you do get past the login. Things aren't necessarily well organized and and you can't necessarily find them uh, as well as you'd like to be able to. But ideally, those those initial demonstrations of value you do want outside of of the login. You want it to be very easily accessible. And in fact, you know, there are really three keys to to demonstrating value effectively. The first is that accessibility. You know, the evidence of value has to be easily accessible, as you were just saying. And um, then beyond that, you gotta make sure that uh, whatever that evidence is, whether whether it's the blog post, the video, the, the audio file, whatever it is, it needs to be useful. You know, a lot of times organizations will put things out there that just, you know, highlight a problem or an opportunity, but you need to go beyond that. You got to provide, you know, practical tips and how-tos that really make it clear that you know how to address uh, the, the problem or opportunity. So, you know, make it easily accessible, make it highly useful, and then the third thing is...
1: You got to tie it to the education that you're offering. So, you got to make it clear that, you know, yeah, if you highlight this problem, and you offer a tip, then you can say, you know, for more in-depth on how to uh, address this issue, we have a webinar coming up next month. We have a a conference where we're going to be featuring that as a track. Whatever it is, you want to make sure that it's very clear that you um, do really know how to help with this problem, that you are offering even further value.
0: And that sounds, you know, so obvious, but again and again, we just see this isn't happening when we go in and work with organizations. You know, the evidence of value is not readily accessible Uh, to the extent that it's there. It's maybe not as useful as it could be, and it doesn't take a lot oftentimes to make it uh, much more useful, and then making that clear link between the value you're offering and the education uh, that you offer. So, you know, all of these are relatively obvious, but you you have to be intentional. You have to be conscious about doing it, and so, you know, we wanted to offer a challenge challenge to to make this real within the the organizations of of listeners here. So just as a very simple challenge, you know, do this yourself or better yet, get the right people in, in the room, you know, have a projector, throw it up on the screen, but review the section of your website that's dedicated to education and ask, you know, how much proof of value is there in that part of the website really and how easily accessible is it do they have to log in or, or can they you know get to it without being logged in and if you find you need to do more to demonstrate value then you know brainstorm right there uh what those you know, potential pieces of evidence are that you have, or if necessary, you know, call another meeting and, and brainstorm about that, but create an inventory of the content that you have readily available and that you could be using to demonstrate value. And again, you know, for us, this is that, that lower part of the value ramp, and we'll include a link to the value ramp in the, in the show notes to this episode, because that's just a very useful tool in, in thinking about your value overall and thinking about how you're demonstrating value out to your potential audience for educational products and services. So that's number one. That's the first uh, uh, tip for um, investing in your education and learning offerings.
1: And so the second uh, area of investment that we want to suggest is is social proof. Um, And social proof is a term that got popularized in in the book Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. And basically what social proof um, argues is that we look to others to confirm what is correct or uh, acceptable. And this tends to be used a lot in in sales and marketing. And and one of the most obvious ways is just with customer testimonials. So you'll have that, you know, uh, Joe or Sally telling you, oh, this uh, this is this is great. It delivered exactly what I need. So, you know, someone speaking to the value of a product or service. Now, you know, associations are, you know, by their very nature, social organizations. They're a collection of of, of people who have a lot in common. So, it, it seems that it would be obvious to make good use of, of testimonials, but has that been true in our experience, Jeff? You know,
0: it's amazing. If there's one thing we can usually predict in, in going in to work with any new client, uh, it's that we're going to have to talk about that social proof at some point. Because you go and you look at uh, what, whatever serves as the catalog. I mean, it may be an actual print catalog. It may be uh, more often it's going to be a PDF or, or just pages on the website these days. But you go and look at those pages and you see you know, very few, if any, testimonials, um, to the extent that they're there at all, they tend to be really generic. They often don't have names and pictures and titles uh, associated with them. They don't often don't really speak to the actual value uh, of the education. They're just more of this sort of a smile sheet. I, I really enjoyed myself, or you know, my my employer really appreciated this sort of comment, which is great. But that doesn't really tell somebody, you know, why was this valuable to this person who is my peer and who you know I feel I can trust. So you know, more of it, and and, and basically. Doing it better, having a better process uh, around getting the right types of testimonials is, is essential.
1: Right, being consistent about it, continually asking for it, and you know, you don't have to rely on uh, evaluation forms. I mean, you can, you don't have to wait for the testimonials to sort of um, happen uh, naturally. You shouldn't be afraid to go out and talk to some of your, you know, power learners and say, hey, you know, you you keep coming back, you know, for more. Um, you know, what value are you getting out of it? Have that conversation. With with the person, um, and then help them kind of craft um, a, a little a statement that's going to really speak to your um, value points, and then put that up there either as a video, that's ideal. But if not, like you're saying, Jeff, at least with a photo, at least with a title and an organization, something anything that really helps people believe that this isn't you know a, a you know I, I play a doctor on TV kind of person, uh, you know. Um, providing uh, information.
0: And organizations are often reluctant to, to do this, but you know, there's a flip side of this coin. When you're going out and proactively seeking the, the, the testimonials, you're proactively going out and talking to your members you know, about their needs and what they appreciated and what they enjoyed, and they appreciate that. Uh, people like to be asked you know, how it was, and, and if it was, in fact, good, they're going to be happy to say so. And if it wasn't good, well, maybe that's not the person you get the testimonial from, but you're going to get some great input. Um, that's just you know, a great way to be in contact uh, with your audience. So really making a a, a social proof initiative uh, part of your culture, I I think is something that uh, organizations should be looking at doing.
1: Right, and like you're saying, don't be afraid of what you're going to hear because even if it doesn't translate to a testimonial, it's still useful information. So the challenge for... the this investment in social proof is to review your catalog or whatever your equivalent of that is. Like Jeff was saying, maybe it's a PDF, maybe it's some pages on your websites. Uh, also look at some of your recent communications, uh, so maybe email blasts about your major educational offerings and look at them. Do they include testimonials uh do the testimonials you know include photos and names and organizations do they really speak to the value that your um, products are delivering and if not then you know this is your your chance to to launch a, a social proof initiative and to really go out and and focus on gathering some some really high quality testimonials
0: so that's number one and number two. We've got you know demonstrating value, and then we've got social proof, and, and those are you know obviously tied together. People who are giving social proof are also helping to demonstrate the value. They're articulating the, the value that they have received in, in what you're offering. Um, and then the third one, and you know this is one that's really been dear to my heart for for years now, and I know is to, to you as well, Selise. And that's just that's helping learners to help themselves. And it's just simply recognizing, you know, that when it, when it comes right down to it, most of the value that comes out of a learning experience is going to depend on what the learner has been willing and able to put into it. So learners who know how to learn better, are they're going to get more value out of your offerings. That's just a fact. So anything you can do to cultivate more effective learning among your audience, it's going to be to your benefit to, in the end to do that, to your great benefit to be able to do that.
1: And so to help you help your learners, what, what can you do? Well... We have three ideas for you. one is to teach your learners about learning and and the point here is that, yeah, we almost all of us went up through some sort of educational uh system, but often that was not um the the teachers weren't necessarily uh mirroring for us the most effective teaching um, um you know approaches, and so we know a lot more now about brain science and how we learn and all of that so it's really making sure that that the learners understand that that they know that they need to be doing things like they need to be willing to engage and they can't just expect to kind of have it all um, spoon-fed that they're going to have to be actively engaged uh, in trying to solve the problems and trying to learn the content so you know you can do things with uh, pre-materials or you know if it's a place-based event, you can have an opening session where you really talk about effective learning practices um, and and then make sure that the the learners are hearing that. So that's kind of priming the pump then for whatever, uh, you know, content you're going to work through with them in, in that educational experience. And
0: we are, in fact, doing this. I mean, we do walk, walk the walk on these types of things that, that we, you know, talk about on the podcast. As part of the Leading Learning Symposium, we've been putting pre-content out there. We have what we call emphatically recommended readings that, that go along with the, uh, the symposium. And we call them recommended because, you know, these are adult learners. We know we can't require them to read uh, things before the event, but to at least suggest things that if we can get, you know, many, if not most of the people coming to have read that gives some common points of, of reference. It gets them engaged before the event, and it also, to be honest, it put us in a dialogue with the people who are coming to the event. I mean, some people are saying, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I can handle this or not." You know, which I'm sure is going through the minds of a lot of people listening. They like, say, "I can't give pre-materials to my people." They'll say, "There's no way, you know, that, that I'm able to, to handle that type of thing." But even being able to have that dialogue with people, I think, helps to start raise the bar a, a little bit around the kind of learning that, that you're pr- trying to promote. The you know the kind of culture uh, that you're trying to promote, and I and I think that's a very important point um, to, to try to create this sort of new culture uh, of learning among the audience that you're serving.
1: Well, and related to that is is our second point here, which is that you don't need to pander to to people. I mean, uh, we can't um, we can't present the best possible learning experience if if our goal is to never. Um, uh, sort of uh, stretch our learners to never inconvenience them. You know, this idea of the emphatically recommended readings, we realize, you know, a lot of people are very busy. They have other things going on. So to ask them to um, do that reading in advance, sure, that may cause them a little bit of discomfort. You may get some people who be like, I can't do that. But the fact is that we're making it clear up front that we really do recommend these. um, And we really think that that's going to help them get the most out of the symposium. So when you Phrase it that way where, again, your goal is to help them learn as much as possible. I think people begin to understand, okay, right, I can't just uh, you know sit back and learn. I have to be actively engaged. It's a two-way street. The facilitator or teacher needs to do uh, her part. I need to do my part as the learner.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't just show up and sit there for two days like you're a bucket and get <laughs> filled up with, with knowledge, you know, unless, unless you're engaging, you know, the, it, the learning is just not going to happen. And, and just being upfront with people about that. I mean, we're all, we're all adults and, you know, let's face it. I think in many instances, organizations are afraid of the the dreaded bad evaluation mm. you know, that they might get <laughs> on, on the, the form that comes back. And, you know, we just, we got to drop that. The smile sheet stuff uh, is just not really an effective way to measure actual learning that's happening, you know, being adults who are serving adults and who are engaged in discussion around learning, that's the effective way to, uh, to actually create a, a better culture of learning. And as you said, to, to not pander uh, to people and, and to set that high standard
1: and so our third um, tip around uh, helping learners to learn is is to uh, maybe go with the less is more kind of approach, that, that often learners can be really overwhelmed with choices. And if you think about um, a lot of um, annual conferences, you know, it's, it's a big menu of often pretty disconnected choices. Um, and so it actually takes a lot of uh, time and effort if you're really going to go through all those sessions and figure out which ones to go to. Um, and if you just even look at the average course catalogs or not necessarily the big conferences, again, it's just there are a lot and lot of choices. Um, And so one thing to consider is that maybe fewer, better designed, more tightly integrated options, that might actually be better for the learners.
0: Yeah, really, it just comes down to, you know, not trying to be all things to all people, which is, you know, one of those perennial association problems doesn't apply just to what you're doing with education, but it definitely does uh, apply within education. And I think, you know, fewer choices, higher quality um, is often just a a much better way to go if you really want to help your learners to, to make good choices and get the best value from
1: you. And so the challenge uh, around this point is to do a quick review of your major educational events, your major uh, educational offerings, and look, you know are you providing any introductory materials that really help to set the stage for effective learning? And if not, think about uh, creating some of those materials. And I know um, we both are big fans of, of a book called Make It Stick, The Science of Effective Learning, that really just summarizes a lot of what we've learned about how people learn and gives you some great techniques for for how you might Uh, techniques you might highlight for learners so that they're aware of them.
0: Yeah, it's a great book. It's a very easy read. It's actually one of our emphatically recommended readings for the Leading Learning Symposium. And uh, in the show notes, we'll include a a link to uh, a brief video we did around that and uh, just some other information about that book because I think that is just kind of a go-to resource for being able to think through how learning happens and, and how you can support your learners in being as effective as possible.
1: So this wraps up episode six of the Leading Learning Podcast. And to get show notes, go to leadinglearning dot com slash episode six. That's the word episode, the number six, and while you're there, you'll see some options for subscribing to the podcast, and uh, if you're getting value out of the podcast, uh, we would be very grateful if you would subscribe.
0: Please do subscribe. We've actually had, uh, you know, we've been pretty successful with the downloads uh, on this so far. We're getting some subscribers, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it's motivation, it's inspiration to us if we can see that people are actually, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on Stitcher Radio, or however it is that you choose to do it, we would also be Really grateful if you take just a minute to, to give us a rating on iTunes. That's also extremely helpful. It lets you know the, uh, the the gods of Apple, I guess, you know, know that this is something worth listening to, and, and helps uh, people to find the podcast if they're searching for it in, in iTunes, which is where most people are probably going to be looking for a podcast. You can do that by going to leadinglearning.com/itunes, and it'll take you directly to the iTunes interface and make it easy for you to, to get in there and just give a, a quick rating. review. And don't assume that other people are going to do that. We hope they will, but you, you are the person who needs to to go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes and and do that quick rating or review.
1: That's right. We need your social proof. And related to that, we would appreciate it if you would tell others about the podcast so you can do that um you know via twitter via linkedin via facebook whatever your preferred uh means of that if you go to leadinglearning.com slash share you can get a a tweet pre-populated that you can send as is or, or edit and uh we really help uh, we really appreciate your help in spreading the word about the podcast
0: So if you are a new listener, thank you for listening the first time. If you are a returning listener, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back more than one time to keep listening to the Leading Learning Podcast. And until the next time, we are signing off.